Okay, go ahead and grab your Bibles and uh, turn to Acts chapter 23. Acts 23. Um, let me just really quickly sum up where we left off uh, last week. I'm going to sum up the last part of chapter 22. That's where we wrapped up. We're in uh, this series called Unwavering. We're looking at the last eight chapters of Acts and how Paul was unwavering in his faith, unwavering in his uh, dedication to, to the call on, on his life, unwavering to share the gospel. And we're learning how we also can be people who are unwavering people. And today we're going to talk about being unwavering because we can be encouraged and we can be comforted when we face life's struggles and, and challenges. And, um, you know, at the end of chapter 22, Paul has just finished addressing this mob of angry, uh, angry Jews. They've, they've dragged him out of the temple. They beat him. They tried to kill him. Some Roman guards came and, and, and rescued him. And uh, he, he turns and he addresses, he asks for permission and he addresses the crowd and he shares with them uh, his hope in Jesus, how he came to know Jesus with the hope that they too would come to know Jesus. Uh, and then they go back to shouting all over again, you know, calling for his, calling for his death. And so Paul's under Roman guard at this time, and the captain of the guard, the uh, Roman centurion, he wants to get to the bottom of this. He wants to find out why are all these people mad at this one guy? And so he orders him to be beaten. He orders him to be flogged. And if you remember, Jesus was flogged. It was not just, you know, a, a, a whipping. It was uh, a whipping with this, this whip that had, you know, rocks and pieces of glass and metal in it that would just tear the flesh off of you. And so the idea was to, to get a confession out of somebody. And I think I'd probably say whatever you want me to say, you know, to get you to stop whipping me like that. And so the, the guard orders Paul to be beaten. And before he does, Paul's like, hey, are you allowed to beat a Roman citizen without first giving him a trial? And the guard's like, eh, what? And, he's like, and he finds out, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm a Roman citizen. And he's like, um, I'm sorry, I did not know that. <laughs> and, but he still wants to get to the bottom of this. And so he has Paul, you know, released from, you know, handcuffs and all that kind of stuff. But he still has him under protection because this mob wanted to kill him. And so he's like, all right, tomorrow we're going to get the Jewish ruling council together. Uh, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We're going to get them together and we're going to get to the bottom of why everybody is so upset with you. And so um, that brings us into where we are in chapter 23. And here's the deal. The, the big idea I want us to see today is that even though Paul faces setback after setback, defeat, frustration, you know, all for following God's plan, he's able to press on because his source of encouragement is Jesus. And that's my hope for us today is that as you do your best to walk with God and as you uh, face challenges that you and I can both, we can all be unwavering in our faith even when we face challenges, even when we face struggles because we are comforted by the God of comfort. We are encouraged by the God who encourages. Let's read Acts chapter 23 verses 1 through 11 and I'm just going to tell you we're going to key in on verse 11 a lot today. Verse 1 says, this is Paul, it says, uh, gazing intently at the high council, you know, this ruling group of Jewish leaders, gazing intently at the high council, Paul began, brothers, I've always lived before God with a clear conscience. Well, instantly, Ananias, the high priest, commanded that those close to Paul slap him on the mouth. That's always a good response, right? When you disagree with somebody, just punch them, you know? But Paul said to him, 
uh, God will slap you, you corrupt hypocrite. What kind of a judge are you to break the law yourself by ordering me to be struck like that? And those standing near Paul said to him, do you dare insult God's high priest? I'm sorry, brothers, I didn't realize he was the high priest, Paul replied. Some scholars say that Paul's vision was so bad, he didn't realize that that was Ananias who had said that about him. Uh, For the scriptures say, you must not speak evil of any of your rulers. And Paul realized that some of the members of the high council were Sadducees and some were Pharisees. And so he shouted, brothers, I'm a Pharisee, as were my ancestors. And I'm on trial because my hope is in the resurrection of the dead. Well, this divided the council and the Pharisees against the Sadducees. For the Sadducees say there's no resurrection or angels or spirits. But the Pharisees believe in all these things. So there was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of religious, of religious law who were Pharisees jumped up and began to argue forcefully. They were about to throw hands. Uh, we, we see nothing wrong with him, they shouted. Perhaps a spirit or an angel spoke to him. And as the conflict grew more violent, the commander, the Roman guard, the commander was afraid they would tear Paul apart. So he ordered his soldiers to go and rescue him by force and take him back to the fortress. Well, that night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, be encouraged. Paul, just as as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. We're going to talk a lot about verse 11 today, and and I love verse 11 because Jesus tells Paul to be encouraged. He tells him in some translation to take courage. He says, keep doing what you've been doing. I'm not done using you yet. Just as you have proclaimed the gospel here in Jerusalem, the capital, capital of the Jewish people, you're going to go and proclaim the gospel in Rome, the capital of the Roman Empire. Now, here's the cool thing. That, that was Paul's desire. It has been Paul's desire for a long time to go to Rome and, and, and preach the gospel and meet with the believers there. He says in Romans chapter 1, he writes to the church that, that it's long been his desire to make his way to them and to be with them and encourage them. And he probably wrote that, we believe, probably somewhere on his third missionary journey uh, prior to coming here to Jerusalem. And so it's before this part of the story. And so to hear from Jesus that he's finally going to get to do what he's always wanted to do, that had to be great news for Paul. That had to be encouraging. And listen, this encouragement from Jesus could not have come at a better time. And this brings us to point number one. Point number one is this. Godly people following God's plan still need God's encouragement. Godly people following God's plan still need God's encouragement. You know, you can be smack dab in the middle of where God wants you to be and still face struggles and challenges, heartache and hardship. You can still get discouraged. You can be following God. You can be obeying God. You can be faithful to God and still face struggles and setbacks, still face frustrations and failures. Times where where you just need someone to lift you up. Times where you need encouragement. And that's what we see here. Jesus shows up and he encourages Paul when Paul needed it the most. Listen again to verse 11. It says, that night the Lord appeared to Paul and said, be 
encouraged, Paul. Just as you've been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. You know, Paul faced some pretty discouraging uh, some pretty discouraging moments, some pretty discouraging setbacks and defeats, some frustrations while he was on mission there in Jerusalem. You know, some authors say that he seemed to do everything right and everything seemed to go wrong. Like his trip to Jerusalem probably couldn't have gone worse. The results from his trip to Jerusalem probably couldn't have been more disastrous. But Paul was doing everything he was supposed to do. You know, he, he gets to Jerusalem and he meets with the, the leaders of the church there, the, the, the Christians there, and they, they make a recommendation to him that he do some certain things to, to kind of keep the peace between him and the, the, the more traditional Jews. And so he does that. And, and, and what happens? People lied about him. They drug him out of the temple and they try to kill him. You know, he showed remarkable love to those same people who had just tried to kill him by turning around and sharing the good news with him, sharing how he came to faith in Jesus. And what does that get them? They get even angrier and they shout even louder for him to be killed. And then when he's in front of the Jewish ruling council, he sees an opportunity to share the gospel again and to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. Listen to verse 6 that we just read. Paul says, Brothers, I'm a Pharisee as were my ancestors, and I'm on trial because my hope is in, the, is in the resurrection of the dead. Paul's trying to connect with the Pharisees in this moment because he knows they believe in the resurrection, and maybe he can use this as an opportunity to, to get them to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. You already believe people can be raised from the dead. L maybe I can share with you more about Jesus who was raised from the dead. But he's also trying to connect with the Sadducees who didn't believe any of that. He's like, well, maybe this is my chance to, to get them to see that, that, that there really is the resurrection of the dead, that, that, that Jesus really did come back to life, that God really did, that he really did die on the cross, and God really did raise him back. And what happens? Both groups end up arguing and fighting with each other so much that Paul almost dies again. I don't know about you, but if you share the gospel with somebody and it ends up in a fist fight, you're probably not going to feel like a success. You're probably not going to feel like, that went great, you know? <laughs> All Paul has done in these last couple of chapters, chapter 20 and 21 and 22 and, and, and now in 23, all he's done is obey God. Chapter 21, the Holy Spirit tells him, go to Jerusalem. Paul went to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit said, now listen, it's going to be difficult. You're going to face, you know, hardship and, and imprisonment. Paul says, I'm, I'm going to go anyways. You said to go. People along the way told him, we don't want you to go because it's, it's going to end badly for you. But Paul's like, look, I have to go. I have to do what God's told me to do. And what does all this obedience to God get, Paul? Opposition, persecution, beatings, threats against his, li threats against his life, and, and what seemed to be a trip to Jerusalem that could not have gone any worse. Paul, you know, if anybody needed encouragement in this moment, it had to be Paul. He's probably sitting there thinking, what, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? Is this even worth it? I'm following God, and I'm getting the snot kicked out of me. So I will remind you that godly people following God's plans still need God's encouragement. And I ask you, where do you need encouragement today? What's your struggle? What are you dealing with? As we've been talking about Paul, some of y'all I see, I see in your face, some of you physically nodding, some of you just I, the look on your face, I, I see that you need encouragement today. You know you need it. God knows you need it. Have you been trying to follow God's plan, but everything just seems to be blowing up in your face? Are you facing setback 
after setback, disappointment, and discouragement? Are you doing your best to walk with God, but at times you wonder if God is walking with you? Take courage. Don't give up. Be encouraged. God sees you. God knows. And God will be with you. Now, a word of caution as we talk about receiving encouragement. Number two is this. Where we look for encouragement matters. Where we look for encouragement and comfort matters. You know, we all look for, for, for comfort. We all look for, uh, you know, for different things. You know, when, when, you know when, when, when you're going through a rough time, I just want you to think for a moment, where do you look for, for comfort when you're going through a rough time? Where do you look for escape? Where do you look for a distraction? You know, for, for some people, uh, you know, they turn to, they, they drink or, or they turn to drugs as a mean of escape. For others, they, they do something they consider, you know, less harmful. You know, they just veg out in front of a TV. I get home at the end of the day and just plop down and watch TV, you know, from 6 o'clock till 10 o'clock and then go to bed, you know. For others, it's social media, just endlessly scrolling through posts and videos and funny memes and all this kind of stuff, you know. For me, when I'm down, when I'm facing struggles, maybe even facing some things that, that would lead me into a depressed state, and yes, even your pastor struggles with some stuff like that. <gasps> yeah, I'm, I'm human, you know. <laughs> I struggle with stuff just like everybody. But when I'm facing struggles and I'm emotionally down or, or even spiritually down, my thing is, is food. My, my thing is food. I love, you know, if it's Friday uh, and, and it's the end of the week and Bridget's tired from working all week and you know, even though Friday's my day off, I'm usually doing projects around the house and I'm tired. She gets home and she doesn't want to cook and I don't want to drive from where we live, you know, 10 or 15 minutes into Vail to go get food. And, and so we'll just go to the local taco truck, okay? You know that Gina knows, yeah. We'll go to the taco truck. And, and I already, I don't even have to ask her what she wants. I'll ask her and she'll be like, I don't know. And I already know what she wants. I'm gonna get her the carne asada plate with uh, pico on the side and flour tortillas, Okay. I know they're tortillas. I just want to make sure y'all are hanging with me, you know. I'm going to get her that. And I'm going to get, I'm going to get the five tacos for $10. Now, I can't eat five tacos, but I'm going to buy five tacos. And these, and these aren't even good tacos. I'm not talking shredded beef, okay. I'm not talking birria. I said birria, not beer. You're not in a Lutheran church. Um, these are birria. If you've never had birria tacos, they're good, all right. But, I mean, these are just ground beef tacos in a hard shell like you get from Taco Bell or something with a little bit of lettuce and a little bit of cheese. And, and, they're not, and sometimes they don't even cook them all the way. I've had more than one medium rare ground beef taco, you know, but I keep going back. Why? Because that's my comfort. That fills me physically. And for just a little bit, it satisfies. But it doesn't last. It goes away. It's temporary. And what I need and what you need is comfort that lasts, encouragement that lasts. What we need is what Paul got. Paul got encouragement that lasts. He got it from the source of all encouragement. Paul got his encouragement from Jesus. Listen again to verse 21. That night the Lord appeared to Paul and said, be encouraged, Paul. Oh, 
Jesus shows up here in Acts 23. He personally stands right next to Paul. Paul's not in prison. He's just under Roman protection so that people don't kill him. You know, he's free to go, but he's smart. He's staying, you know, in the barracks there. But Jesus is right there next to him. And here's the thing. Paul had six, I think about six visions of the, of the Lord or, or, or communications with the Holy Spirit, like direct communications. All throughout the book of Acts, he had six encounters or visions uh, with Jesus or the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, there's the very famous one where the Lord appears to Paul on the road to Damascus, and that's his call to salvation. In three other places, in Acts prior to this, Paul's got a vision of the Holy Spirit uh, directing him where to go or Jesus speaking to him, instructing him what to do. Um, and then here in chapter 3, we see Paul's fifth encounter. It's Jesus standing right next to Paul talking to him. And, and, and I, I wish you could have seen it this week. I took a picture and sent it to Bridget. I had all my commentaries out on my desk, you know, and it looked really impressive. I was like, I'm really just looking up one verse right now to try to get to the bottom of something. It was verse 11. All the commentaries are talking about Jesus talking to Paul, and they all just sort of gloss over it. Like, Jesus appeared to Paul and encouraged him. and just sort of move on. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Jesus showed up? I mean, when I see these red letters, when I see these red letters in Acts chapter 23, that's Jesus talking. You know, you flip back to like the Gospels, and you got all sorts of red letters. That's why, that's why you need to read the Bible in a paper form, in a book form, okay? Because most digital forms don't highlight the, when Jesus is talking. And so you get to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see in red letters, this is all the Word of God, okay? But the red letters is, is God's speaking verbally and people writing it. It's just so cool. And you're used to seeing it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But when you get to Acts 23 and you see Jesus speaking again in person right there, I'm like, whoa, how cool would that be? How awesome must that, must that have been for, for Paul? I mean, it just blows me away. I mean, just, just pause for a minute. Can you imagine Jesus showing up when you are at your lowest, when you are at your downest, and Jesus showing up and being right there next to you, speaking to you and encouraging you. I mean, there's times I wish I could have that experience. And as I was writing that this week, God said, hey, dummy, you get it every morning. Everything that I've ever wanted to say to you is right here. The totality of my word is right here in your hands. Every bit of encouragement that you need is right here. Every promise that you need is right here. Everything I've ever wanted you to know about me is right here. You get it every morning. Paul had to write it. You get to read it. <laughs> Sean pointed out something. He's like, yeah, but we got to live by faith. Paul could just look over there and go, whoa. We've got to open this up and say, okay, this is the encouragement I need. This is what I needed at just the right time, at just the right place, at just the right moment. Your word is true and good. So let me ask you, are you going there? Are you getting in God's word? How often do you eat? Do you eat like once a week when you're starving and you're about to fall over faint and dying? You probably eat two, three times a day. Probably snack in between that. 
Why? Because it's there and you want it and you know I need this, right? Why would we wait until we're spiritually starving to get into God's word and say, God, I need something from you. And he's like, well, you could have been getting it all week long. Matter of fact, if you, if you get into God's word well, at least once a day, you know, if you're not doing it at all, start and say, I'm going to do it for five minutes. I'm going to open up the Bible. I'm going to pray and I'm going to say, Lord, I need to hear from you. And, and I'm just going to read, you know, have a reading plan. We've talked about all this. We'll talk about it more, but at least five minutes. If you're already doing five, double it and just keep getting up there until you got to go to work. Okay. <laughs> Until you're like, I'm going to lose my job if I don't go. Never mind. All right. But spend time daily in God's word. And when you do, then when those things come, you will remember what you read a day ago, a week ago, even a month ago. And it'll come to you. And you won't have to go in here and be like, I need, you know, I need to suck something out of here right now before I collapse. I'm off. I'm sorry. Okay. Get into God's word. Get into it daily. And finally, last thing, number three. God's encouragement is for you, but it's not just for you. God's, God's word is good. His presence is good. His, his spirit is good. His, his encouragement is good. But it's, his encouragement is for you, but it's not just for you. Paul understood something that I hope we can also understand, that God lets us go through difficult times to teach us to trust him, to, to trust him that he will deliver, that he will rescue that he will save. And until he delivers and rescues and saves, that we can trust that he'll be near, that he'll be with us, that he's still God. And that while we're waiting on him to deliver and to rescue and to save, he's encouraging us and comforting us. But that comfort is not just for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 Paul writes this, and he wrote this long before where we find him here in Jerusalem. It says, all praise to God, verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all what? All what? Comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that, anytime you see a so that, pay attention. It means God's doing something with a purpose. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more, we will, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we certainly comfort you then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. Look, you don't get to have an unwavering faith. You don't get to be at that place of having an unwavering faith if your faith hasn't been tested. God is going to let you go through some struggles. He's going to walk with you through those struggles. And he's going to use those struggles to grow you and to strengthen you in your faith. But he also does that so you can help others as they struggle. God encourages us so that we can encourage others. Your comfort is not just for you, which may mean that your struggle is not just for you. What you're going through is not just about you. 
got a friend up in Phoenix. His name's Dennis. He's a pastor, retired pastor. And he shared this story uh, a few months ago. He said, we've had a cascade of unfortunate experiences. A new friend sold us her home in central Phoenix a few weeks ago. She signed our offer, but I have no idea if it's valid because she died unexpectedly last week. To complicate matters, we sold our existing home three weeks ago so that we might be able to move directly into our friend's house, which we had just purchased, or maybe not. Thus, we're moving out of our current house on Tuesday with nowhere to live other than our 28-foot trailer, but I'm thankful for that. To cap it all off, my physician told me today that while I need further tests, I apparently broke both feet three days ago at the skate park. What's an old duffer like you doing at a skate park, he asked. Was tequila involved? I said no. So our friend died. We probably won't close on her home. Our house closes Tuesday, and we need to have vacated our home by that date. I've got broken feet. I'm sure the Lord will make a way through all of this. I don't know how, but I know him. As we move into our response time, the question for you is very simple. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Are you able to say today, I don't know how, but I know him. I don't know how God's going to work this all out, but I know God and I trust him. Will you pray with me?